0: Since the publication of his first book, Carrie, in 1974, Stephen King has written 27 novels that have sold 150 million copies worldwide and made him very good. There is interview with J.K. Rich. Rowling, author of the fastest-selling book of all time. I'm very proud.
1: Books have
0: sold over 50 million to George RR
1: author of Game of Thrones, which is a popular series this. of books
2: his new and a novel, wildly the pop- Dan, pop- Dan Graham, one a superstar. Book. Millions
0: have read The Da Vinci Code, millions more, than 40 more books are, are snagging up poetry poetry and critical essays. Her novel, The Blind Assassin, 50 was awarded for 2000 of Grey. Book it is a prize. novel, but Pretty some
1: couples are, are taking Marvel it more like a how-to manual, and it's selling at the unheard-of rate of one book a second.
3: Did you catch that last part? One book every second. That means from the time that intro started until now, that book has sold around 60 copies. And that brings us to the allure of the writer, the people who do something most of us do in some shape or form every day, which is tell a story and take it to the next level. They tell their stories and somehow draw the rest of us in. They capture us, they dazzle us, and they make us fall in love with things that have just come out of their minds. We all maybe know someone who says they write and If you're anything like me, you're someone who has, every now and then, gone looking for the muse and tried to write something yourself. But what raises the Tolkings, the Austins, the Salingers, the Atwoods above the rest of us? Sure, there are those untouchable geniuses sitting amongst the likes of David Foster Wallace and J.K. Rowling. But I think almost every person has had that moment where they read a story or they see a movie and they say, I could tell a better story than that. Couldn't I? Is it that hard? And that is exactly what we are going to look at. You're listening to Slush, the podcast but what it's really like to write and to try and get published. my name is Adam Ganong.
2: And my name is Jenna Noor. We are friends, roommates, and most relevant for this show, we're writing partners. So we're both coming from different places as writers. I have more traditional training. I studied creative writing and English literature in university.
3: And I have little to no training. Most of my knowledge of writing has come from YouTube videos, a few how-to books, and just consuming stories and telling stories all my life. Uh, we've both been writing for a little while, but you can only live in your head for so long.
2: The sound you're hearing right now is the two of us in our studio, sitting on opposite sides of the room and writing furiously on our laptops. The room is not that big.
3: So the studio is actually just an extra bedroom in our mm. apartment, which theoretically was supposed to be my bedroom, mm-hmm. however, I took the smallest room in the apartment. It's its kind of closet size. It's kind of like, think early Harry Potter days. Mm-hmm. That's what my bedroom is like. And then in return for me, making that, that small, small sacrifice, We have this room to work in. Mm -hmm. Um, I have a very large Red Sox blanket hanging on the wall because it absorbs a little bit of sound for when I'm recording audio. Uh, There's a whiteboard on the wall, which was placed before your desk was put there. And as of right now, it has Espresso Yourself and the room where it happens written on it. (laughs)
2: <laughs> Two very inspirational phrases, equally inspirational phrases, mm-hmm. if
3: you will. So the reason the mic is on is because I am just finishing up something I've written and I am ready to submit. But I need to, I need to write a biography, mm. and I don't know what it is. But every single time I get to like something like that, at that point, like I get this like funny feeling in my stomach, <laughs> and I'm like,
2: I don't want to do that.
3: <laughs> and one a
2: biography of the- for what?
3: For, like, when you do the submission, you just need to send, like, a short biography oh along my, with it. Oh, okay. And then it's just, like, that way if they publish it, they just put that at right. the bottom. But it always just makes me feel, like, weird. Probably because you have to describe yourself as a writer. in
2: it. <laughs> right. <laughs> I don't think i want to do that.
3: And it's especially bad because it's, like, Adam is just a guy.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I'm Adam. <laughs>
3: yeah. Because everyone else on there has, like, stuff published somewhere, but... So, admittedly, so, I was... A little nervous. I wasn't really that nervous about writing the short biography, but that biography was the only thing standing between me and submitting. So my nervousness kind of just manifested itself in that, if that makes sense.
2: And I'm on the other side of the room working on a couple different stories actually. So I was working on a piece that I was preparing for publication. And also um, doing a little bit of work on a middle grade novel that I've been writing for about a year. ...words more on the other one, mm-hmm. but I was just getting more of a, more of a feeling, I was like, nah, this isn't what I want to submit. Right. Yeah. So I just sort of jumped off for that one and took a little break, looked around the internet and mm-hmm. then it came to me. Nice. The, the new idea. That's and then good. I just wrote 3, 3,056 words, I think, let's see, 3,056 words. But nice. Not bad. Yeah.: I think this one might be more fun. I'm, I'm noting.: So
3: as you've I probably figured changed. out, you're coming into this in the middle of a story, <laughs> our story, which you will be hearing over the course of this podcast. But before we move beyond that audio clip, that moment in time, as we were sitting there writing and I was getting ready to submit, we need to go back
2: because there's a lot more to writing than just submitting.
3: So, where do stories start? For me, they start with a concept, or a character, or just something I think is funny that I want to bring to life. So, I come up with almost all of my ideas, at least I used to, while I'm walking.
2: It's good as long as you don't walk into anything, traffic, small dogs, trees.
3: I stay very aware. That's good. M- music pumping in my ears, mm-hmm. and I'm because that's how I'm coming up with ideas. Sometimes I'm like looking at things. I'm mm-hmm. like, yeah, dogs, pets. What what do they have for pets in fantasy worlds? They got mm-hmm. little tiny dragons. But who's feeding those dragons? Dragon pet store. Mm-hmm. Who's working there? Little goblin trying to make ends meet, <laughs> Tr- trying. <laughs> You know and it's just a story about him and I just come <gasps> up with that story haven't walked into anything because I'm, I'm keeping aware
2: that's good and you've mm-hmm. got music going you're like living your own little music video yeah you know a little musical montage from a, a movie of some kind I like that see I wish that that was how it happened for me but I feel like I come up with ideas mostly when I'm in the middle of doing something else mm-hmm. so there's always that race to like frantically write it down. Um, if I'm driving, sometimes I'll have to like leave myself a voice memo. Um, or worse is like, if I'm in the shower and I think of something, and then you have to balance like, <laughs> is this good enough to get out and write down, or will I still remember it when I've done my shower? And I guess that's a pretty good test of whether an idea is good or not. If it you is. remember it, like three minutes later when you're done showering, maybe it's worth pursuing.
3: Mm, yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: I come up with a lot of ideas too at work. So I'm living that like Monday to Friday, nine to five life right now. Yes. And I feel like I come up with so many ideas while I'm working there. I do a lot of like technical writing, report writing, manual writing. And I don't know if it's just because like I'm already in the flow or if it's like influenced by podcasts that I listen to while I'm working. But I always have this, I have this like notebook that has a pocket in the back for putting notes And it's full right now of just like little sentences that I scrolled to myself and just stuffed in there. And of course, I'll find them like a few months later and be like, hmm, don't know what this means. But I guess it was a good idea to me at the time. Um, And sometimes I will just take a minute to actually do some writing when I'm at work. Mm -hmm. If it's like important enough to me in that moment, if I just get that feeling of like, this has to happen right now, I'll usually give myself like, Five ten 10 minutes at my desk to explore it. Yeah. Yeah.
3: That makes sense. I, when I worked at a call center, I had scraps of paper everywhere that I was always like writing ideas. Mm-hmm. I once got reprimanded by a manager for drawing a map while I was on my shift.
2: I have been there. Yeah. <laughs> and when I, when I mean I have been there, I mean literally I have had a coworker catch me drawing a map at my desk. All right, so that's some of the ways that we come up with ideas. But of course, once you've come up with the idea, you need to do something with it. An idea is just an idea until it gets written down.
3: And this is the important part specifically for me, is you need to write. So the reason why you write needs to overpower all the reasons why you aren't going to write that day. It needs to overpower your desire to binge watch YouTube, or for me recently, to play copious amounts of online poker even though you're really bad at it
2: it also needs to overpower your desire to harvest virtual vegetables which has been one of my vices recently Mm -hmm. not on farmville but on this like farming rpg called stardew valley i'm sitting here right now in the room with you but my mind my mind with my yams adam what are they doing (laughs) how are they doing without me
3: i don't know i don't know jenna That's the nice thing about poker, though. I'm never thinking about poker hands when I'm not playing. That's good. (laughs) It also needs to overpower your desire to just read inspirational articles and quotes about writing rather than actually doing the writing.
2: Mm -hmm. And it's not to say that any of those things are a waste of time, um, because as illustrated here, it would be awfully hypocritical of us to pretend that we haven't lost hours to watching other people play video games on YouTube. Uh, It's just that stepping away from those things for a little while is the only way to actually get anything done.
3: So I listened back to the tape I recorded of me describing why I write, Mm -hmm. and it just feels very plastic to me. So I was thinking about it all morning. So I realized, listening back to all this different tape, no one when they're asked why they write ever says that they write to be read. Which is interesting because Mm. theoretically that's the only reason you you actually do write. And I don't know about you, but I know for me, like writing to be read was one of the things that stopped me from actually writing for a very long time.
2: Okay. Because I mean
3: I was petrified of Mm. someone actually reading my stuff. Mm -hmm. So I think I think for me one of the things that really moved me from like not writing too much to Writing a fair amount is like the shift between the primary reason I was writing was to be read, to a different reason.
2: Mm. Do you know what that reason is?
3: Um, I I think so. The first time it switched, I think it was escape. I just wanted to be able to take take things out of my head and mm-hmm. put them on paper because I'd had so many ideas kicking around my head before, but I'd never taken the time to actually put them anywhere. Mm-hmm. So I started doing that, and then it was kind of the fun of it kept drawing me back because I kind of, I lost all of my, like my hesitations and fear Mm -hmm. of like, this isn't gonna be good. And I was just like, I'm just writing this for fun Mm because I I wanna write it and I kind of enjoy it. Mm -hmm. And then that was like, that was the main switch. Mm
2: -hmm. I feel like my love of writing is probably rooted in my love of reading. I I think the two things are probably, connected Um, and when I was younger I was very like I could read very quickly I was reading really uh, really high above my reading level but I wasn't a very good writer but I wrote all the time just the same Um, is kind of where my blog came into the picture Mm -hmm. just exploring some like creative nonfiction and the fiction piece came a little bit later Um, when I started going to university I learned a little bit more about critical thinking about all the steps required for exploring an idea. So how to actually put stuff down on paper. And I really saw it as a complimentary piece to reading.
3: Did you have any fear of being read for a while?
2: With my blog, I didn't. I really didn't care who found it. And I I would look at my analytics from time to time. I definitely wasn't a person who, like, obsessed over reading my analytics. But, I mean, I guess that's, like, Part of what the internet affords you is that, like from a very young age, people all over the world were reading all the dumb things that I had to say.
3: Right. Yeah. And then once you moved into fiction?
2: A little more apprehension, I think. And when I started studying creative writing at university, I wasn't handing in, like I wasn't showing up to workshop with the pieces that I actually wanted to be writing. Right. Um, I had a lot of apprehension around that specifically because it was really, really personal. And mm. it showed, I think, the other people The people in my workshop group knew that it was like, it came off as pretty inauthentic to them, I think. So once I started actually bringing the pieces, like I have a memory of literally just like ripping stuff out of my journal, like my personal journal Mm. and bringing that to a workshop. And I feel like that's when I really got over that hump because I was like, this is the stuff I want to be writing. This is the stuff that I feel like I'm good at writing and people respond to it. It was pretty, pretty reaffirming. It's good. Yeah.
3: Did you like to tell stories as a kid?
2: Absolutely. So when I was a kid, me and my best friend had a sketch show that we did in my basement called (laughs) (laughs) This is 100% true. It was called Very Live TV. Um, Every time we had a sleepover, we would spend the night writing sketches. And uh, we always had a few segments. We always had the news. We always had a couple commercials. We always had a couple different TV shows, and then we would have a sign-off at the end. So we would spend the evening doing all the pre-production, and then in the morning, my parents would come downstairs, and we would do the show for them.
3: That's incredible. So this is
2: like, this picture, like, elementary school-aged me. Right, yeah. Yeah, and I think we put on probably, we put on nine productions of Very live TV in total.
3: That's pretty impressive. hmm
2: for- yeah. And in my basement, we had... Um, This huge chalkboard and it filled like an entire wall of our basement and so we would put that up as the backdrop to our show part of pre-production was doing a set like laying out the set on the chalkboard
3: that's so much more impressive
2: (laughs) so did I like to tell stories as a kid
3: yeah Mm, uh, I don't know you you tell me
2: (laughs) is that what you were looking for
3: so I I remember actually Going way back, I also really liked to tell stories when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. I don't know how old I was, but I was I was pretty young, mm-hmm. and I'd watched an Abbott and Costello movie, which I thought was hilarious. Mm-hmm. I'd never seen slapstick comedy like that before. Mm-hmm. So the next day I'm at the dentist and as the hygienist was like prepping me, I just, I don't know why, but I started telling her about this movie and I told her the whole movie beat for beat and she (laughs) was in like hysterics laughing. And the dentist came in and was like, why is this taking so long? She was like, I'm so sorry. (laughs) And I was like, yeah, this feels, this feels great. And Mm -hmm. I really liked it. And then the next time... We went, mm-hmm. I'd seen another Abbott and Costello movie, mm-hmm. and I tried to replicate the process, oh, no. and she was just like, mm-hmm, Aww. and like didn't laugh. And I was like, oh, that didn't <laughs> feel so good. That was my introduction to storytelling, Ooh. like the highs and the lows. Mm-hmm. I remember it very vividly.
2: It's a pretty good introduction. <laughs>
3: mm, yeah.
2: So those are some of the reasons why we write. But when Adam started getting tape for the show, he talked to a few writers to learn more about their
1: experiences.
2: First, we have...
1: My name is Bob Ramunda. I am the founding editor of breadcrumbsmag.com, an online literary and arts journal. Um, I've been writing... And he since, gave
2: an answer that really resonated with both Adam and me. Um,
1: I have to. Because I have to. That's... I mean, that's the simplest... The simplest way if we, if we, to, to describe it... Um, if, if we want to get back into like historically why I write, it's, it's a form of escape and a form of control over narrative in a way that I didn't ever see or find for myself, especially as a child. Um, my parents went through a very tumultuous divorce when I was, I was young. And so my brother and I were constantly thrust back and forth between their homes, um, for years. And it was, it was all very torrid and I I don't need to get into it. But the, the fact of the matter was that I found my greatest sense of enjoyment in that period of time, um, consuming other people's stories in whatever, format they were um and eventually i just kind of figured out i could make up my own Hmm.
2: next we have
0: so i'm daniel adsett and i am a phd student in philosophy at marquette and i'm also a lecturer so i write because i like forming sentences really i know that sounds odd right because you're like well you know Fiction is more than just a collection of sentences, but that's really what I like to do. I just like to make sentences that sound nice, that also have, you know, some kind of connection to each other. But at the end of the day, more um, something that just sounds nice and takes you out of your everyday experience, I guess.
2: So two different people, two different reasons, but they both accomplish the same goal they write. Thank you, Bob and Daniel, for your time. You can look forward to hearing more from those interviews in future episodes.
3: Okay, so now we've heard why other people write, why Jenna and I write. But
2: we still need to look at what this podcast is actually about. How do you write? How do you translate that idea into a shiny product that can catch a publisher's eye? Whether you're listening because you want to start writing, or you're going on this journey with us, or you're just curious what it's like to write and you want to know more,
3: And admittedly, neither Jenna nor I are experts on such a thing. Mm
2: -hmm. We are not experts. No. But since we're sort of billing this as a how-to kind of show.
3: We do kind of want to give you an idea of it. So I've done some interviews with people. You've heard a little bit of the snippets of them. Mm -hmm. Um, I've also watched a whole lot of videos on YouTube, as Mm -hmm. I said earlier. So we have gone ahead and made a compilation to kind of give you an idea of what it takes to write a story.
2: Mm Mm-hmm. And as Adam said, we're not experts. We're not saying that this is the only way uh, that you can sit down and get to writing. But it might give you some ideas if you're wondering where to start.
3: Some of the advice is serious. Some of it's a little bit more goofy. Here's a general idea of the steps, vaguely, to write a story and to get published.
0: Here's the process. Here's the process.
3: First, you have to come up with your ideas. We've established that. Go for a walk or go
0: to sleep
2: or talk to a friend. Go to your local library, check out an art book and see how the pictures make you feel. The main thing is keep your eyes open. You have to look for ideas. Don't expect them to come to you sitting at your desk in front of a blank piece of paper because ideas can come to you anywhere. Even I was on the
0: train from Manchester to London
2: and it came. Or you could be at work. And in that case, grab something, scrap of paper, notebook, back of a receipt and write it down or
0: if all else fails your best dreams happen in the morning but you still
2: have to be discerning you may be excited that you got an idea but
1: i think a writer's
2: notebook is the best way in the world to immortalize bad ideas
3: so maybe once you've come up with
0: one think about it for a week my idea about a good idea is one that sticks around and sticks around and sticks around
2: and if it sticks you write now when you write you
0: have to be in a kind of a bad mood one day or a good mood
2: or any mood because you're
0: gonna have to make your word count today and those words aren't gonna wait for You, whether you're inspired or not. The key here is you write. You put the work in. You need to
1: actually sit down and write from the first sentence to the last, even if on your next draft you throw out everything you've written. Choose your pace.
2: You can do 500 words a day for the next
3: five consecutive days, or you can get a lot out at once and write 45 pages in a night. At first, it's just about the fact that you're
2: writing and you write as much as you can. And don't worry about it being
1: perfect. Oh, don't you worry. Because once you're done, and then that's our next step is you write it again, and you write it again, and you write it again.
2: And once you've done that,
1: and you read it all through and make your changes. But once you're finally done, once you feel like you have a pretty good draft, bring in those confidants for that that hard feedback that you're never gonna get yourself. Um, you send it out to some of your friends; they'll read it over, which would come to our next step. Then you you look up online, make sure you know your audience when you're when you're submitting your work and you're sending it to someone. You look them up. There are different sites you can find where they have lists
0: and you just, you click on them and you start out with the best one. You start with the top, right? Because you don't want to start out with the worst and then it's like your killer story and it gets published by some magazine with five viewers.
3: And then once it's been submitted, that's where it goes to the publisher and it gets put into something called the slush or the slush pile. The slush pile is a set of unsolicited manuscripts sent directly to the publisher by a literary agent with no connections or sent by the author themselves.
2: So when Adam and I first started talking about publishing, first started knocking around the idea of doing this podcast, I knew that I had heard about slush piles at some point when I was a kid and I was pretty sure it was from a book. So the book that I was thinking of was The School Story by Andrew Clements, uh, and it's a book about a child author who tries to get her story published. Uh, Her mom is an editor for a publishing house, so she has a little bit of insight into the world and that's kind of like her entry point.
3: So to simplify, here is a short reenactment of a scene from The School Story.
2: What's with that big stack of envelopes? Are they all manuscripts? The ones in Ella's office or the ones in Tim's office? Wait, you mean there are more? (laughs) Lots more.
3: When someone sends us something without asking us first if we want to see it, it goes into the slush pile. The people in the mailroom bring us 9 or 10 new ones every single day, and twice as many on Mondays. Does anyone ever read them? Eventually. Everyone will at least get a letter saying thanks, but no thanks. Digging through the slush pile is one of the jobs you get when you're brand new in the editorial department. So, no matter what, when you submit a story, you always get a letter back. And when you get your letter...
0: It's going to be rejection. Guaranteed.
3: And maybe since the time you've sent that piece out, you've
1: grown as a writer.
0: Plus... It makes you in an even worse mood, so you read it over again, make more changes.
1: And you... Write it again and again. It's kind of rinse and repeat here until... And you just send it out again for the second talk. It's going to get rejected again. Whole way
0: through. All 20. And it's... It's discouraging,
2: but you've got to persevere because it's a a career with a lot of knockbacks, but the rewards are huge. I don't mean in the sense that if that's what you really want to do, to be able to do it lifelong is the best thing in the world. And if all else fails.
3: Last tried and true method by Daniel Adzet himself.
0: You take it, you print it off out of your computer, and you get on a bus, and when you get off the bus, you leave your story on the seat. And here's the most daring part. You got to get in an airport one day, pass security, and you got to leave copies of your short story in the airport. That's the one thing you got to do. And there you go. That's, that's the life. It's competitive. But then again, you know, maybe one day, uh, maybe one day you'll get published and you'll be official. But until then, you just got to leave your story in public places. <laughs>
3: <laughs> and that's what it takes to write. Mm-hmm very daunting, Mm -hmm. very discouraging.
2: It is very discouraging.
3: (laughs) And it's a lot of work.
2: Mm -hmm. And yet here we are doing it just the same. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's true. Yeah. As we've been listening back over some of the interview clips um, with Daniel Adset and and Bob Raimonda, it does sort of feel like this is a ton of work. Why would anybody want to do this? Clearly you have to be a crazy person. Um, But then I think about Actually doing all of those steps and by now it feels like such a natural thing to just like sit down, write, send it to friends, edit, look for people that you might want to send it to. That daunting when you've actually done it, when you've been on the inside of it a few times.
3: So I think like my experience with it is Mm -hmm. it's a little bit like getting into a cold pool. Okay. We're like at the first it's like, it's like really nerve wracking Mm -hmm. And like you, you put your toe in. You like you write 500 words, and it's like, oh, this doesn't feel good. <laughs> <laughs> but then, like once you once you dive in, once you get in there, it can be pretty bad for a couple of minutes, mm-hmm. for a little while, mm-hmm. when you're writing and people are saying this is not very good, and you're and you say, what do you mean? You say you say it? I'm not the next David Foster Wallace. Mm-hmm. But then once you warm up in that pool and once you get used to it, you're like, I don't know why I stood on the poolside for so long. I like it in here. Mm-hmm. It's nice and warm. I feel comfortable now. And you just, you're playing with pool toys and you're, mm-hmm. you're going on the water side with your friends.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm happy that you chose a pool and not the beach because there's no sharks at the pool.
3: <laughs> you're could've... going to the wrong pool, Jenna.
2: I <laughs> could have thrown a wrench mm. in your metaphor very quickly, but. High risk
3: pools only for me. <laughs> I go swimming at a whole lot of aquariums.
2: No sharks? Not interested. (laughs) I'll take my floaties elsewhere.
3: (laughs) Mm, That's how I feel, though. That's what it's like. You you need to get into it. You need to do it. And Mm -hmm. once you do it for a little while, it just becomes easier. You build momentum Mm -hmm. and you keep rolling. It's
2: a good way of thinking of it, I think.
3: Now, I've been dabbling in writing for a while and I've written several different things I've thought of submitting, but I never actually went through with it. Now, some of you might be saying, wait, you've written several books? No. There is one more piece of information we need to discuss. There's different levels of getting published.
2: So writing just like anything else takes practice. It's easy to forget that when publishers throw around phrases like breakthrough, debut novel, and overnight success... Even an author's debut novel is not the first thing that they've ever written. What you don't see are the years of selling stories to magazines, literary journals, and anthologies of all kinds. Like any craft, it's important to build your resume. Maybe your first publication will be in an online zine that five people read, doesn't matter. Every publication is a feather in your cap, another credit to your name that can go in a cover letter. A place where a potential publisher can find your name and your work in print
3: what i've written the thing i said i was ready to submit is shorter than a short story it's what's called a flash fiction it's about 800 words long and like daniel said it'll definitely get rejected but i have to start somewheres and that is what this podcast is all about
2: so next episode we'll find out what happened to that story and we'll start diving a little deeper into our process first up how do you come up with ideas And that's all we have for this week. Special thanks to Daniel Adset and Bob Raymunda. You can see some of Bob's handiwork on breadcrumbsmag.com. Super cool website. We highly recommend it. As for Daniel, he's written a book called From This World, which you can find on Amazon.
3: This episode has been produced by me, Adam Ganong.
2: And me, Jenna Noor. You can subscribe to Slush on iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, or wherever else you get your podcasts. We're new, and if you'd be willing to leave us a review, it would be much appreciated. Also, if you thought the show was interesting, please share with a friend. It'll help us grow as a podcast and we would be eternally grateful. And with that, we are out.